It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to maukbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call 312-726-1243. Do you want to know how the ongoing war against systematic sexual exploitation in our society is being fought? Well, today I will be speaking with Benjamin Bull who serves as general counsel of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. He leads the NCOSE Law Center fighting child sexual abuse, illegal pornography, sex trafficking, and other forms of abuse and exploitation. Benjamin was also the founder and the executive director of ADF International, a leading global human rights organization. Benjamin, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. Thank you, Rich. Pleasure to be here. This is quite a topic that we're addressing, um, a very, very heavy topic. Tell us a little bit more about your work at the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Well, the National Center is, is a, um, we're, really, we lead a coalition of over 200 organizations fighting uh, human trafficking and, and uh, the exploitation of women. Uh, our, our goal is to expose uh, the links between sexual exploitation and child sexual abuse, prostitution, sex trafficking, and pornography as a public health crisis. And, and um, we delve in all dimensions of that. Uh, we, are, we engage in some uh, litigation. Uh, we're a catalyst for uh, working with a lot of plaintiff's law firms. Um, we'd, we'd love to have the, the Malcolm Baker law firm uh, do some of these cases. I know you, you, you do represent some of these, uh, some of these organizations that, that fight trafficking, but we work with organizations and law firms around the country to engage in the battle to stop trafficking and, and uh, the exploitation of women. Tell us a little bit about the crisis. What, what's going on and, and um, how did you get involved in this? Well, you know, I started out many years ago as a uh, as a city prosecutor, and one of the things I had to do was to. And this was in the city of Norfolk uh, back in the day when it was uh, basically uh, uh, going downhill. It had a lot of uh, lighting and strip clubs and massage parlors and porno theaters and dirty bookstores and so on. And I saw firsthand the problem of human trafficking and and. Um, and my dear friend of mine, Pat Truman, uh, who has been the president of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation for about 12 years, invited me or challenged me to come and serve as general counsel and build a law center within the organization to take on the legal aspects of this work. And we've, uh, as, you, as you know, it's, it's endemic. It's a huge problem right now. There are over 300 minors that are trafficked every year in the United States. That's the estimate. Uh, the most responsible estimate uh, by organizations that work in this area. And we're dealing with children as young as 11 years old. Most girls get into this work between the ages of 12 and 14. Boys get into human trafficking in between the ages of 11 and 14. Uh, it's endemic. The Internet has been a huge, a huge uh, cause and catalyst and 
and uh, and problem for uh, trafficking women uh, and children uh, online. And also the glorification of prostitution in the Hollywood industry has been a huge contributor as well. So you, so I, I hear this, and, and uh, if people were to go to your website, would they get insight into how to work in terms of uh, protecting their children uh, from Internet uh, sources and things like that? What what does the center offer with regard to our listeners in terms of becoming more aware of the problem and also how to deal with the problem? Well, number one, people need to educate themselves uh, to the issue. Um, you know, the, the 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 amount of pornography, for example, that's coming across the internet is is unprecedented. You know, Rich, in, in past decades, you had a Department of Justice and U.S. attorneys' offices and district attorneys' offices around the country actually prosecuting illegal pornography. Today, you have uh, outlets like Pornhub doing nothing but uh, getting more and more explicit and graphic and harder and harder as time goes on because there's no counterweight. There's no, right now, there's no prosecution of this illegal material. So one thing we need to do is get the Department of Justice to do its job, and that's a project of ours. But people can go on the website, number one, and educate themselves to the problem, to understand how women are being trafficked online. Um, you know, and they really need to put filters on their on every Internet device, and even that is, is, uh, is an imperfect uh, uh, solution because kids go next door. Uh, you know, one of the problems is uh, these large companies like Google will donate uh, lots of, you know, tens of thousands of computers to uh, to low-income uh, families or, or to, to poor, uh, poorly financed schools. There are no filters on those laptops uh, to stop children from accessing porn at school. Um, you know, that ought, that ought to be something that should happen tomorrow. If you're going to give away a computer to a public school, put a filter on it so that the, so that the 11-year-old or 12-year-old can't access hardcore porn on the Internet. Um, but basically, we offer about everything you need to know to, in order to educate yourself and then and get involved and, and get the local, uh, get your state or local community to uh, pass laws requiring filters, to call on your local uh, prosecutors to prosecute illegal pornography, uh, and also support your, your uh, survivor organizations. There are a lot of organizations that have shelters that provide an outlet, a, a way out for prostituted women who want to leave the life but have no skills. They have no other way of earning a living. Um, people can use their dollars and, and support organizations uh, that help these women out of, out of uh, this, this horrible life. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Mauk and Baker. If you missed part of this show or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MalkBaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty Newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, we're speaking with Benjamin Bull, General Counsel of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. And we've been talking a little bit about the center and some of the resources it has. Um, I want to I wanna, uh, change the topic a little bit. First, before I do that, though... Uh, give us the website address for for the center. And sexualexploitation.org, um, or, or if you just Google the National or National Center on Sexual Exploitation, you'll come right to us. There's nobody nobody with a similar name, but also and sexualexploitation.org is our uh, is our uh, website, and uh, we'd love to have you visit and. Uh, 
Well, feel free to contact any one of us. You can contact, you can put out my email address for anybody who needs some information. Uh, it's bbull at ncose.org and happy to help folks who have questions. All right, um, Ben, let me switch the direction a little bit. Um, this is Lawyers for Jesus, so one of the questions that we're always interested in is, how has your faith influenced your work? Oh, that's such a profound question. You know, I've always wanted to have perfect alignment between what happens in my home and my career and my church on uh, Sundays and, and during the week when I do church activities. And... Um, Basically, you know, I always, I've always looked for positions where I could uh, carry out my faith, uh, engage in the free exercise of my faith, and not worry about, uh, you know, being charged with hate speech if I, if I try to lead someone to Christ. And uh, the National Center is, is, uh, is full of, uh, you know, faith-based people, believers. Uh, you know, I did a stint with several other uh, Christian organizations, and... Uh, I found uh, that that life is fulfilling. Uh, my faith informs everything I do. Uh, I start the day uh, with with uh, prayer in the morning and uh, read some scripture. And um, during the day, uh, periodically, we'll we'll pray at work. Uh, pray for our pray for the people who are engaging in in, uh, in trafficking women. Pray that you know the Lord uh, changes and melts their hearts. Uh, but basically, it informs all that I do. Every decision I make. You know, I, I look at this, and, and uh, you have called um, sex trafficking modern-day slavery. What do you mean by that? Well, there's a myth out there that, that when a man goes, uh, take, you know, engages or buys a prostitute or a woman, that it's a, it, they're two consenting adults. What most people don't realize is that 90% of women engaged in, in uh this activity are trafficked or controlled. They have pimps that control them in one way, shape, or, or manner. It could be drugs. It could be they're, they're beaten up all the time. It could be that they're, they're a 14-year-old runaway that has no other place to go. Uh, but 90% of these women are, are controlled. They want to get out of this, this uh, kind of work, this kind of activity, if they, have, if they had an outlet. Um, and I mentioned a little while ago that uh, the movies hit like Pretty Woman and Boogie Nights and The Hangover sort of glorify this world uh, when exactly the opposite is the case. Uh, you know, the most dangerous job in the world is being a prostituted woman. It, it's literally, you're more likely, you're 51 times more likely to be, to be murdered uh, as a prostituted woman than you are as a woman working in a liquor store, which is the most dangerous occupation uh, in America today, outside of prostitution. Uh, 60 to 75 percent of prostituted women are raped, have been raped or will be raped. Uh, 80 to 95 percent are physically assaulted and battered. They have higher rates of cervical cancer. They have, uh, when they get out of the life, they have PTSD, that's post-traumatic uh, stress disorder, similar to combat veterans or victims of state torture. Uh, ben, we're going to continue this conversation. Uh, coming up, we will talk further with Benjamin Bull, General Counsel of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, and we'll be looking further at the industry, its problems, and what we can do about it. I'm Rich Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney at Malkin Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. If you missed the first part of the show and want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we're speaking with Benjamin Bull, general counsel of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. And when we ended our last segment, we were talking a little bit about how the idea that it's simply two uh, consenting adults and, and what's the problem, how that is not an accurate picture of what's really taking place. So, uh, Ben, I want to take you back. And, and one of the questions that I have is recently New York attempted to amend its laws um, regarding prostitution under the banner of compassion for exploited persons. So I want to ask you, do these attempts at compassion help or hinder women in the area of sexual exploitation? They're catastrophic. Uh, these efforts to totally decriminalize uh, the prostitution industry is, is catastrophic because it legalizes uh, uh, pimping, it legalizes uh, the purchasing of, of, of prostituted women, and it provides no funding for women to get out of this, uh, this work. Uh, Washington, D.C. recently introduced a, a bill it looks like it's going to be shot down to do the same thing that New York was thinking about doing. Where, where there have been countries like Netherlands and Germany that have legalized all aspects of prostitution industry, they've had catastrophic results. They've seen prostitution, uh, the activity just explode. You've seen international gangs come in. You've seen women from Eastern Europe brought in. You see they become uh, hubs for sex tourism. You've seen organized crime get involved. And even though the activity may be legal, again, 90% of the so-called legal prostituted women are controlled by pimps, who generally are crooks. And the women don't keep the money. Uh, generally, let's say a woman uh, at, a, at a brothel, legal brothel, may bring in $3,000 a day. She'll be lucky to see $200 a day by the time... Uh, all the other money is taken out, and all the, all the other people are paid, and so on and so forth. Um, so the, really, the only model that actually has been halfway successful has been the so-called Nordic model, where they have legalized the sale of prostitution, but criminalized the purchase of prostitution and the control of women. So they've made being a john or a buyer illegal, and they've made being a pimp illegal, and they poured vast amounts of money into helping prostituted women uh, learn, learn uh, skills and, and, uh, and to be able to have a, a way to get out of this kind of, uh, this kind of industry. So, so the idea there is that uh, rather than prosecute the prostitute, with the assumption that 90% of these women um, are, are in a form of slavery, rather it's to go after the business model and the persons who are profiting by that model. Am I correct in that idea? Exactly. They're going after, the law enforcement is going after the demand side. Uh, these women have been, have been victims. They, most, you know, nine, again, 90, 95% of women who get into it don't get into it because, you know, they've dreamt all their life about being a prostitute. They're forced into it to survive. Most of them are runaways. They've had horrible childhoods, and they've been exploited. The worst thing we can do is to continually arrest them, hold them in jail for half a day, and then put them back on the street, which does nothing but perpetuate their victimization. What you can do is come down heavy on the purchasers, put the people, the men who buy the, these prostituted women, put them in jail. 
uh, do the same thing with the pimps. And, and that, and, you know, coming down on the demand side uh, will help protect these women more than anything else. Well, well you called it the Nordic model. Uh, why did you call it that? Uh, it's because it's been employed in Sweden and in Norway. Uh, and there, the street pro- prostitution has gone down. Uh, more and more women are getting out of uh, this, this life. And they're being trained to do other things besides sell their bodies. And law enforcement has come down, as I said, very heavy on any man who purchases a prostituted woman and exploits her. And the same thing's true with pimps. And so you're seeing the industry basically collapse and, and gradually disappear. Whereas when they totally legalized the industry uh, in Germany and in, in Netherlands, exactly the opposite happened. Gangs from Eastern Europe came in with Eastern European women who didn't even speak German or didn't speak Dutch, and they were exploited and victimized all the more. You know, um, as I hear that, um, I'm wondering about uh, some of the success stories that have taken place with regard to prosecution. Um, is there any hope uh, for us in, in stemming this tide? Uh, sure, there, there is plenty of hope. Uh, we, have to, we have to educate the general public that being a prostituted woman is, is not fun. It's, it, you know, it's uh, not something a woman wants to do. You know, in the same way that today when you see Hollywood movies, you rarely see actors smoking, right? We need to make sure that the Hollywood communicates uh, to the culture, trains the culture, that being a prostituted woman is a bad thing, that it victimizes women. Uh, and, you know, the same way that the smoking culture has been turned on its head, uh, you know, the, uh, the sex industry can be, can be brought to a standstill as well. The, you know, cities and counties and, and the states can basically do what I just suggested a little while ago, and that is come down hard, very hard on sex buyers and on the pimps. If a man is arrested prostituting a woman or buying a woman, put him in jail. Or there, there, these things called shaming letters where the law enforcement will write a letter to their home. They're called Dear John letters. And a lot of cities like San Francisco are, are establishing these uh, schools called, called John schools, making buyers of prostituted women go to school on Saturday for 12 hours, learning about the exploitation of women. And, and we, they found that most people who go through those schools never go back to pro- buying prostitutes again. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Benjamin Bull, General Counsel of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. We've been talking now a little bit about some of the uh, ways to combat um, sex trade or, or sex slavery, as uh, it's been referred to in this program. Um, what do you think we can do with regard to um, uh, legislation, let's say, in the states with regard to um, combating sex uh, trade? Sure. Well, the, the single biggest purveyor or, or, uh, or factor in, in uh, prostituted women are the inability to sue or, or bring criminal action against online providers online content providers, which have been used to, to traffic women. Uh, outlets like Backpage or Craigslist or TikTok, even Twitter and Facebook Messenger are used to sell women. And until recently, it's been very, very hard to sue them or bring criminal charges against them because of a federal law called CDA 230. 
Recently, that's been amended so that if they, if they knowingly engage in trafficking, they can be sued. And what we're trying to do is work with hundreds of lawyers across the United States to represent survivors. These are prostituted women who've been sold on the Internet and, and sue these content providers uh, who knowingly, who knowingly uh, sold these women while, while they're being controlled or drugged or beaten by pimps. And um, there are also, you know, truck stops that can be sued, truck stops and hotels uh, or these agricultural farming centers, which are knowingly used for uh, or centers of tra- for trafficked women. Uh, plaintiff's lawyers can sue them on behalf of survivors who come out of the life, who were beaten and problem- most, of, most of the women who were trafficked there were minors at the time. Um, we're trying to get, you know, mass tort lawyers uh, to go after the the, uh, the prostitution industry, the sex industry, in the same way that anti-smoking, the anti-smoking lobby and lawyers went after big tobacco, and so, again changed the narrative. So what and, I'm hearing, uh, rather than a criminal prosecution, you're now looking uh, to civil prosecution um, to begin to challenge well, some of these I businesses. I think it's a both and. Uh, number one, the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney's offices need to need to begin enforcing existing laws that make hardcore pornography illegal. There needs to be a counterweight so that the material coming across these porn outlets are softened and, and lessened. And there ought to, there there has to be a filter requirement on every manufactured filter. There ought to be defaulted to filtering when a when a computer is sold. But the, but. Probably the biggest thing we can do is get law firms to represent survivors and sue pimps, sue, uh, sue the, the places where they were trafficked, whether it was hotels or whether it was truck stops. And um, there is there a lot of money there for plaintiff's law firms to, uh, to win on behalf of the, uh, the victims. Uh, they've suffered damages, many, many suffered years of damages, and lawsuits can be filed. And we're beginning to educate the plaintiff's bar uh, that this is possible, and work with survivor organizations to uh, to have them produce, you know, survivors who have the wherewithal to be a plaintiff in a major lawsuit. Uh, ben, there is so much more we could discuss on this, but frankly, we're running out of time. Thanks for speaking with us today. I want people to know how they can learn more about the National Center on Sexual Exploitation and your work. Give us the website, the number. Give us the info. Our website is endsexualexploitation.org. That's endsexualexploitation.org. Our general number is 202-393-7245. Repeat that, 202-393-7245. Please reach out to us. We'll help you any way we can. Thanks again. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thanks for listening. I'm Rich Baker, attorney at Malkin Baker. And this is Lawyers for Jesus. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.